in that same lighting. But you know what? That's a good I mean, experiment. You look great in that lighting. Good experiment. I think one day we're going to get this really dialed in and we're going to look back on these early episodes as embarrassing. But we'll then the you think embarrassing? the progress that we've made. Well, when you see the early, you know, the first. <clears throat> it's always interesting to look back and. Yeah. But so, yeah, this is this is the episode that I'm I'm. I've never gotten nervous a little before uh, recording one of these. I feel so relaxed, but never. I no, no. Are we recording right now? We are. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> so this is for those of you who follow my Instagram. You've seen this beautiful face many times before. This is Nastasia. Hello, nice my, to meet you. My muse, <laughs> my primary partner. Yes. And um, for two two years and two months now. No, I think two yeah. years for sure. Over yeah. two years. <laughs> and um, I met Nastasia soon after finishing Monogamish and making the commitment to really uh, dive into polyamory as an ideal and as a way of life. And uh, our, I think, predispositions really matched up with each other yes. in addition to a, uh, a um, just a delight in each other's company and um and i think you know there's there's one way of doing polyamory which is being just very lighthearted in every rapport you have and then you have um what i've experienced for the first time with you which is going deep with yeah. somebody <laughs> and also allowing ourselves to have other partners but then we had always deep with each other but shallow with other people i think or just fleeting with other people yeah. And now we've just come back from the, our first kind of dive into actually going deep with other people as well and yeah. surviving that. Yeah. Where have we just come from? Uh, there's so much to, it's such a loaded question. <laughs> I, meant, I meant just yesterday, where did we arrive from? Okay. <laughs> where were we? <laughs> we came back from Montana and I mean, we actually did a cross country trip from New York all the way back to the desert. And Why were you in New York? I was in New York because, so I decided to do a cross-country trip. I've been wanting to do like a solo trip this, I mean, my entire life, but I just always thought like it was terrifying and young girl on her own and didn't have a car. And I finally decided to just do it. And I started out with my friend, Jesse, who is an angel. And we went to Colorado. And then after that, I decided that it'd be lovely to meet a lover who lives in New York. So I decided to just straight shoot it to new york <laughs> alone for like five or six days through wyoming yeah what was that like traveling alone through incredible incredible they're they're the only scary moments i actually had along the way were in like arizona like on the border of like utah actually but aside from that the, it was just fantastic you and jesse thought you were gonna be kidnapped at some point right yeah what happened you want to tell that story i mean i don't even it was just crazy like we were um kind of by like Lake Powell and we were on the beach and we're super friendly so we like saw these people and we had beers and we didn't have a cooler we saw that they had a cooler and we're like should we ask to put our beers in their cooler we're like yeah it's fine that's not not weird you know so we went and asked and they were super sweet but they ended up forgetting ice so then we both had like warm beer but we were all sharing and it was a nice connection with these like it was like a brother and sister and then we kept like talking to them and having a fun day at like Powell with them. And then they told us that they had a ranch in like kind of in one of the canyons near the Grand Canyon. They had horses. They're showing us photos. 
not of the Candian, but of horses. And we they invited us over for like dinner. They said that they'd make us like their like typical like um just like really good authentic food and we were totally excited to do it. We were all hanging out, it was good. We shared a joint with them and everything just crashed. <laughs> and we like, the She girl, started acting really weird or? Yeah, so the sister started acting extremely weird and anxious and kind of like looked at my friend and was just kind of like, was it you who was texting us last night? And were you mm. the one who met us here? And we were like, no mama, like that's not, we have no idea what you're talking about. And then like her brother started looking really irritated and we just, we got super uncomfortable and then she started showing us photos of her child and she's like, I used to have a kid and it looks just like this man. And she ended up mm. calling him the wrong name. And like, it was just like, we were like, this is what, what is going on. And she ended up like messing up his name multiple times and the energy. Her brother's name. Yeah. Yeah. Her brother. Right, right, right. So, Her brother. <laughs> who knows what was going on? And Trying just, to get the lure these women into their to their ranch I'm right in the middle of nowhere. Positive that we were. It was something very sketchy because we got that feeling, and then we were like, you know what? Like, we have her Instagram because we did have her Instagram. She seemed like a girl who was just like in a really bad place, you know. But um, maybe she was a victim of this man I as think well. That's what my friend and I thought for sure. Mm. And then he got really irritated when you wouldn't go with him. Yeah, so then we tried saying, like, you know what, like, we'll contact you guys later, but we're feeling very tired, we want to go have lunch, and he was like, you don't need lunch, like, I can pay for your guys' lunch, I could even get you guys a hotel, and we're like, we don't need a fucking hotel, like, it was just so, and then he got really aggressive and started yelling at her when we left, and it was just like, we just At his sister, yeah, and we just bolted, and I, I had to, unfortunately, just, like, go off on him and tell him, like, we're very uncomfortable, and we're not going to go to your ranch. Leave us alone, <laughs> you know? Not unfortunately. Thank God you did. Thank God yeah. you did. Well, uh, yelling at a man that you don't know can be a very risky thing to do, but it was necessary. And it but worked. Yeah. And, and then, then after it... that, it was a great trip. Even then, it was beautiful. <laughs> and then but... I got to New York, and I've been in New York for like the last three weeks. And, and I, you know, I find it... I. I I find it it was challenging and admirable to watch you kind of claim your your desire to live this uh you know this experience with this i think you know i always was always a little dismissive of people who experienced jealousy and insecurity i thought like oh this is easy you know and um and again i always i always thought that um that i just was immune to to that level of kind of insecurity that could come from a partner. And I, I would kind of, I remember like talking to people about polyamory and openness and seeing like this one married couple, particularly when I was telling them about the film and like she recoiled physically when I talked about the possibility of openness. I, I noticed this kind of like physical retraction that she seemed like she was uh, so threatened by the idea. And I thought like, okay, well, polyamory is not for everybody it's for me it's obviously not for these people but you know to be honest like every time that we'd had other experiences whether it was together or separately mm -hmm. it always depended a little bit on me feeling so confident that there was no way that this other experience was going to come close to what we have yeah that it was not a threat and i just it never made you felt feel okay throughout it exactly and yeah. so this was the first time that you were like no this is my own separate thing i'm doing this 
and I was like, okay, well, maybe I should just, we should just like, I, just, I need to give you the space to, to have this experience. Mm -hmm. And when you set off, I didn't really know if or when you'd come back. So structurally on that point, right? I mean, you guys, it wasn't just experiencing with new lovers. You, you broke up, right? Officially, yeah. I mean, I know Basically. borders. We took a break. Don't, you took a break. Yes. Okay. We took so, a break. So what did, but that I was mean, the first time we've ever taken a break as well. And right. it was so at it the time of having a new lover who was separate from him as well. It was very intense. And you have to, we have to have the, the background of COVID too, right? right. So love in the yeah. time of COVID. Right. Of um, I mean, we were just here for like four months. No Airbnb guests. Your mother was living with us, which was phenomenal. But still, like it was a very different energy than what we've ever had in our dynamic. We always were, were defined by a, a, a high degree of independence i think yeah. and of yeah. like and so covid you know d domesticates you quickly and we've seen the results of that in various you know anecdotal and statistical evidence of like higher divorce rates you know in china after the after the first few months yeah. of of so i i think that we were both longing for new energy to enter this uh this this relationship because i think we're both also i think like many polyamorous people i think just like in politics you have uh, character attributes of people on the left and the right, you know, people on the left tend to be more novelty seeking. And I'm sure that's the tr case also of polyamorous people, obviously, like we, we put novelty above stability as a, as a, as a, as an ideal, let's say, or as a, as not a, only novelty though, not only, yeah. What else would you say? Just even more love. Even more love, yes. <laughs> like, and there's novelty in that, of course, but yeah. it's just more connection. More connection with other people. Yeah, of course. In of ways course. that are like you don't usually get. Exactly. I think, for so, sure. Like structurally, though, from the outside, people that aren't as familiar with polyamorous kind of definitions and borders and things like that. What is the importance of being on a break versus just saying, okay, I'm going to go across the country for two months and be with another lover? What What, what is the difference there? And why? Like, did, did that change or shape some of the emotions involved? Yeah, we had, to, like it did, right? we had to figure that out as we went. And we also just realized that we were incapable of actually taking a break, probably because we were talking several times a day. It wasn't a break. Really. <laughs> it was like the most pathetic excuse of a break, but it was still necessary. And it, it was, was still different from what yeah. we usually do. <laughs> but I don't know. But it was, it was a, to a certain level semantic. And it was a way of me protecting myself from the possibility of her just starting a new chapter in her life with this right, other man. Right. I definitely thought that was a possibility and I wanted to not be the person getting in the way of that and have you have a consideration constantly of saying like, yeah. how is this going to affect Tao, right? I wanted you to just like be able to explore this. So on the one hand, it was for you. On the other hand, it was for me yeah. as a sort of protective barrier yeah. of like be allowing the possibility of you genuinely going all the way emotionally yeah. you know with this other lover i think that that was that was that was the thinking behind it but um yeah so wh where does like being alone fit into I, so one of the things with polyamory i guess is like you can almost constantly have if you have enough uh, uh, robust enough pod i suppose robust is not a flattering word but i'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna use robust um you don't have to ever be alone but Part of the grieving and healing process for a break or for attention or something like this is being alone and so even on yeah. your road like when is the last time you were alone it's been a minute um probably wyoming and then well, that was an important thing that you did i think going important. alone before yeah. diving so you weren't just you like and ping I were already, from one guy to another yeah. like and you and i were already taking space and that was when we weren't talking quite as much and 
I hadn't gone too deeply with this guy and it just kind of like I mean we still had something of course but it was it was very fresh so I had time to really like reflect but it's been a minute I also sure. I also want to state as a kind of uh, full disclosure that Patrick really got to put his uh, psychologist hat on uh, during this whole experience yes. because he was my <laughs> the main person I confided in oh. while I was alone here. Um, obviously, there was a lot of um, distraction, but distraction only goes so far when you're feeling uh, heartbroken. You the, the alone times seem eternal. <laughs> um so so it was it was definitely very challenging it made me realize um you know a just how deeply attached we are and how in love with you i am and and also how committed i am to trying to make real polyamory work and the challenges that that comes with i think are worthwhile and i think now we've come back you know we'll, we'll we'll tell the rest of the story as as we go on but um I think to a certain degree, having proven that it is very, very possible to love more than one person and to be yeah. in a, a, in profound communion with more than one person, which is, I think, is just a fundamentally different paradigm than what we're used to in our culture. And I think it's really kind of exciting to be a part of this uh, that kind of vanguard of uh, of relationship models. And and those who think it's 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 uh easy or somehow superficial or just like being uh responding to just you know every desire or or impulse it's it's not just that and i think that hopefully we can go deeper into why i think that's the case so there's this uh guy out there who everything i've ever attempted professionally he has both done i'm gonna keep him nameless because the deep narcissism that fuels him uh, would only be made stronger by my mentioning his name. Um, but so everything, like as a neuroscientist, he's a better neuroscientist. As a writer, he's a better writer. As a fiction writer, he's a published fiction writer. Uh, everything that I've ever attempted, he has done on a professional level where I've done it on an amateur level. And he's the only person that gets under my skin because I feel he's the only person that can replace me fully. That if I disappeared from the world... I would be effectively almost entirely categorically as if I were like an RPG character with different attributes. Every single attribute of mine is maxed out in him. But what's an RPG character? Like uh, those old like Nintendo role-playing games. You get In the beginning, you get to choose. You're like, do you want strength? Do you want stamina? Do you want intelligence? Do you want, you know, like you get to, to kind of break down piecemeal your personality components. Mm -hmm. And so he just, I think I'm, I think all I have is I'm taller than him. And uh, <laughs> so, uh so to what degree, I, I guess I know this, this is unfair of me to already know, but to what degree does like replacement, the fear of replacement fuel those feelings of jealousy between the two of you? Because I feel like at some point, if I may, you yeah. both felt in danger of being replaced oh, during absolutely. this two months. But, but how does that, does that mean that other times when you're not jealous, you're not afraid of being replaced? Yes, I think so. I think, yeah, I think for the most part, yes. But I think I'm also a much more insecure person than you. No, I think no. I'm, I think no. I'm, nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> we all have our We all have it, yeah. Yeah, we True. all have it. And it's just a matter of how how we cope. I think that's, yeah. there does seem also to be Also, it triggers it. I yeah. think it varies completely, you know. I have recognized that there are these, we do seem to have layers in our in our psychology and and also like degrees of freedom at each layer so you have like 
the way you respond instinctually to something in the most basic way. Um, and then you seem there seems to be less choice of that because that's just how the outside world hits you. And then there seems to be this other level of which, like, how do you respond to it? You know, and there's like a certain, hopefully a certain reflection on the, the feelings that are exposed and a certain meditation on them. A certain, I think, you know, in, in polyamory, we do experience jealousy and insecurity. And I think those two are very deeply connect, connected. And we can talk more about that as well. But um, and then and then how do you respond to that? Like, do you give it credence? Do you respond with uh, do, you, do you think like. Do you, do you just, you know, blame the other or do you uh, just allow it to happen? And I think that there's a big lesson in, in, in going through those feelings and and then of like emerging on the other side. And but but the risks are real. It's not like you're just imagining. I mean, there are people who get jealous when their partner looks at somebody else down the street or watches porn right. or something like that, <laughs> which is about uh, a kind of a, a like attentional replacement, right? Yes. First, you're, you're paying yeah. attention to someone else instead of instead of you somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But mm -hmm. I guess what I don't understand, because I'm kind of new and coming to terms with my own versions of these feelings. Right. And but like, why is it the case that the border of replacement happens not in bed or sexually or with bodies or like how how does it transition? into the fear of replacement because you've both been with other people. You've both seen mm -hmm. each other with other people and that did not trigger these feelings. Yeah. But so what is it about th this version? I think it's honestly about, I think it's the first time in our dynamic that we've ever had such like strong emotions about other people. And I mm -hmm. think that's just, that's much, I, I feel like we've both, I mean, our, connection of course is still just incredible but it's the first time I think I think where there have been other people that it isn't that it's like emotionally very deep even if it isn't like you know even if it's it's different but it's still I think the first time that there have been I don't know I think when there's that emotional depth with another that's where the true feelings of like insecurity come up because it's not just sex it's not just um i don't know i mean it's just much deeper and that's something completely different to work with especially because like of course sex is so intimate but if it's sex and then the conversation isn't that good or you you're like okay get out of my house you know <laughs> it's just it's a very different thing so when it's all of the things which is beautiful it right. just takes more to um you know there's just that i feel like it's unless you're just like an uberly confident person, you're going to feel insecure of like, oh no, they kind of hit all of the all of the points, you know? Like I know I do too, but <laughs> and also there's this there's this know. there's this deep seated element of of ownership that we have surrounding relationships. We say it, you're mine, I'm yeah. yours. Yeah. Like it's just like so then then if you're saying that to somebody else, are you some? Are you no yeah. longer mine? Or is it possible to belong? Or saying and like the same things, even if they hit in such different ways, yeah. that is so triggering. Yeah, <laughs> it's know? always yeah. yeah. Even though you know each connection is different, there's still those points where you're like, oh, they're doing everything they do with me. What what's the difference? But of course, there's a difference. But and a, then of I course, a, go ahead. Sorry. I had a lover uh, who was in bed, and she was on Instagram or something, and saw an ex-fiance <laughs> propose to his new. Bo, mm -hmm. uh, the exact same way 
that he had proposed to her years prior. Yikes. <laughs> and it hurt her in a way that shouldn't have, right? Like they sh they're distant enough. There were no emotional entanglements, but something yeah. about the like reproducibility of that. And I found myself sometimes recreating like dates yeah. or and, and just feeling not fraudulent, but just like what what am I doing that, you know, like would the person, if they knew that this was kind of uh, act one, act two, act three of this evening was very similar to an evening that I had shared with them. Yeah. Does that feel like a kind of artificial copy in a way? You know, like yeah. people, people always, we've, we've, we've talked a lot about kind of art forgery. Is that a kind of art forgery to like experiential art forgery in a way? Cause I'm honestly yeah. most afraid of that. Cause I, it's, yeah. a, it's my version of replacement is I want someone to remember, like I, I seek in conversation people who say things that surprise me, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's my favorite kind of, of person to interact with. Yeah. And it takes a while because like you, you get very good at mentally modeling other people and how conversations are going and how relationships might go. And so I just love to be surprised. And I love when the highest compliment someone can pay me is you say things I don't expect. Yes. Mm -hmm. But then when, when, and so my greatest fear is that I can be fully replaced in that way that I'm no longer surprising or I'm just reproducing some yeah. thing. And that's what happens when, you, when a relationship gets older. Yeah. I, there is, I think, the, the risk of a certain like disenchantment. Like when you, the things that used to thrill and surprise your partner no longer do so because there's only so many new things you can do, whether that's mm -hmm. in bed or in life. And, and I think that's the, the biggest. Not completely though, I think, there's so many things you can do. Just people tend to fall into stagnancy. Yes, <laughs> you know? exactly. But there's always, I think, something. And if you keep growing, you're going to change. And I think things that's... Things are going to change. The way you communicate with your partners and friends is going to change. And also, I think that's one of the great benefits of polyamory. It forces you to get... Um, to to be your best self because you always have this little bit of competition, which I think is healthy. You know, like I was talking to another dear friend who's uh, who's also, uh, you know, usually polyamorous. And he said, there's nothing better than a little male competition to like make you physically more fit, <laughs> make you like, you know, just get off of your ass, you know? Because like, the library and does a bunch of push-ups. Yeah, I believe <laughs> it. Yes. We're, we're out the on the road, I'd be waking up and I'd just hear. <laughs> <laughs> And, and 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 look let's be honest all my friends uh, who are married like it's crazy how much they let themselves go like That's people are my job. age but it's true so yeah. it's interesting so except I've... you whoever's listening to this who is my married friend <laughs> <laughs> but the other ones you, you know who you are where do you, where do you stay? at you <laughs> personally impersonal pronouns the generally applicable pronouns um, <laughs> So it's interesting that you say that because I actually found myself um, uh, moving the opposite direction in terms of like self-improvement because I found myself <laughs> finally satisfied that I'm not going to satisfy every button or part of a person mm -hmm. and therefore oh. being a completely okay just being me with my, you know, strengths and weaknesses and not trying to improve anything. Oh, that's so, interesting. So, so Melody was talking about like a Shabari lesson. Did I want to like watch and learn a little bit of it? I'm like, no, I don't because <laughs> I'm, I'm do never... Do that someone else. Yeah, yeah, do that on someone else. No, it, like learning how to tie it. I'm like, no, I'm not even going to be close to anything like that. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to evolve to be this like amalgamation of just bad versions of a new skill set, right? Like right. I'm just comfortably me. Mm -hmm. And and I actually find that really refreshing in a way that I've never before experienced where she gets... Yeah. Well, you have to be everyone to someone, things. of course. That yeah. means that in a way, maybe that presents a different challenge. And maybe my married friends would respond to that saying, actually, 
I have to be my best self because I have to be everything to this person. Right. And that's a really right. good argument for monogamy, I imagine, if, if in that idealized place. And maybe this is a, 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 a negative side. Or do you like it? Do you like being, well, I feel, I you feel, feel relaxed? I feel relaxed and comfortable that I don't have to self-improve and be everything to everyone. Yeah, you've right? completely accepted yourself. Yeah. That's good. Well, yeah, then wait. Well, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's going <all> far. That. <laughs> Put me, put me on the other side. Of the You're next. Booth. You're next. You and Melody. Great. Um, no, and also, uh, you know, there is this. Um, I've found in my few years of of doing polyamory that, uh, and this is probably shocking to a lot of people, but I think three way relationships work really nicely. Like I think, yeah. and and you can be in overlapping triangles. You know, like. Um, in, and again, when you give yourself and your partner permission to explore these dynamics and you allow yourself to go through the difficulties and you process those emotions, it opens up on the other side um, these really unusual and I think very um, kind of instructive and inspiring uh, dynamics that most people just don't get to experience. And it's the same experience I have with like uh, psychedelics. I think that they're really challenging and I would never in a million years wish like it on my worst enemy if they didn't want to have that experience because I find it really hard. I don't think like taking LSD is fun at all. And yet, um, and yet when you climb over that hump of that and you pass through that anxiety, all of a sudden, I think the metaphor of, of, the, of the view of like that you get, whether it's like going to a new, culture or climbing Mount Everest or whatever it may be, you get to see something and experience life in a way that most people don't. And that's what I feel is like the the reward for going through, like some people might, and, and the moments I've felt it myself too, like, why am I putting myself through this? Why am I like doing this, you know, having this anxiety and this insecurity and this jealousy when I could just like have a normal, stable relationship that's normal. And- um, Absolutely couldn't. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't. You couldn't imagine me in it. Why, yeah. Why not? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> to, to everyone listening on Spotify, the answer was given in Nastasia's facial expressions. <laughs> How would you describe them? Uh, <laughs> complete shock uh, at the the premise of the question. <laughs> like, how is it even considered? Why are we even talking about this? Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. Again, it's not, I, I didn't. I don't want to be dismissive by calling it novelty um, seeking. I think that is. You were right to kind of point out that it's way more than that. But I think uh, more expansively, the idea of living life in an original way that has more unexpected turns, that has uh, more, you know, uh, boundary pushing dynamics is something that we're looking for. And you're working like against or not against through your initial reactions triggers traumas which a lot of us just immediately kind of like to shut down and not work through because it's hard and i feel like this kind of forces you to go through it if you really want it and i think that's what adds to the outcome of it feeling like a wonderful new reality that most people can't access or don't because i don't know i mean everybody knows like when you push yourself really hard even with working out afterwards you're like this is amazing it was so worth it and i feel like that kind of has that with it it is it's an emotional workout i think that's a really good way to put it but then it also helps you grow that i think that's one of my favorite aspects of it like the yeah. connection but also like the growth that comes along with it that you can only get in like so many ways when it comes to these emotions you know so I, in the like addiction world there's something that like there's a category of kind of addict that is just interested in state change 
mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like throughout the day. It doesn't really have to. It could be anything. It could yeah. be like okay, just a coffee now, and now I need a cigarette, and now I need a thing. Like it doesn't yeah. have to be associated with a single drug, yeah. but it's just about okay. Now I have to get out, or you know, I have to go outside because I'm inside. But it's about this kind of fundamental discomfort with just stasis yeah. Yeah. and just being still. So that when I when I hear you talk about this kind of how interesting it is to encounter these new emotions, yeah. is there a sense in which, like as a as an emotional exercise routine, in like it's just about feeling new things. It's about a state change. It's about an emotional state change. It's not only about that, but I I have come to terms with that's definitely a part of it at right. this point. I mean, I love believe it or not solitude and stillness and like also having moments on my own of just no change just pure emotional stability as well but I do feel like um this does help you kind of oh this does help you like you know keep you feeling alive I think a little bit I think where is that line between growth is like the key I think to like I mean life or else it's just stagnant you yeah know? it is very Nietzschean this whole idea of constant overcoming constant change constant and where does where do you feel powerful in that versus feeling owned by the the desire I think that's what that's the, the difference between an addict and someone who's like yeah. in control yeah. of their lives you can see, yeah. seek state change and not be an addict right. but mm-hmm. definitely if you are an addict that's probably a part of it right. becomes where that dominates you, I think. And you, you no longer have the choice in it. You no longer have the, the sense that you're navigating the ship. The ship is that you're in a storm and it's yeah. navigating you. You know, There's a big Absolutely. difference between those three things. Like when you see people walk their dogs, there's a big difference when they're walking the dog and the dog's walking them, right? <laughs> and depending how well they've trained it. And um, But I, I do want to talk about back to um, the COVID you know, kind of domesticity. We called it, we joked we would call it COVID-induced monogamy <laughs> that we were under for like four or five months. And... And I remember having this, this kind of daydream about like, okay, I think some new energy into our relationship would be great. And I was thinking, well, I, I would like not to be the one to impose this somehow because it feels like maybe it would be, you know, going against the grain too much given how we should all be alone right now and not be, you know, yeah. be, being careful. And so I kind of would have these fantasies about also, it was you. it such an emotional time. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was thinking, like, it would be great if some new energy entered and it would be great if it came from Nastasia's side of the uh, equation. And, um, and, you know, they say, be careful what you wish for, because sure enough, like you manifest. Um, I found this in my life usually for better. And I find myself very lucky in life for this reason is that if I if I throw something out there into the world, often it happens. Yeah. And um, and so this man ended up again, we want to protect this person's privacy because he's not here. But. Um, in broad strokes, it would be nice to tell the story of how you you met and maybe him coming here, which was uh, yeah. an interesting yeah. dynamic. Um, we met on Instagram. <laughs> As people do these days. So interesting. Um, so we were in touch for probably about almost a year, actually, that we were following each other and just you know, ch- chatting here and there, and we definitely had... Sliding into the DMs, as they say. Sliding into the DMs, <laughs> um, yes. And there were moments where, now it's funny because him and I talk about it and we completely misread each other. I would think that he wasn't into me and he would think he, I wasn't into him, but then we'd keep talking and we were just completely missing each other even though we still felt the connection online. So then, and she showed me some of these messages. I yeah. could feel the, the, the sparks flying much more than... <laughs> than <laughs> Than I had seen in previous connections, let's say. Yeah. 
Maybe and, even more than you, you cared to admit. Did you two oh, meet online? So. Also? Yes. Yeah. 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 That's. I mean, it's so normal these days, right? Yeah. That's no. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's hardly a distinction, I think. But I wonder if your reading into the sparks had to do, in some sense, with your re-replicating, you know, the history of I you two interacting. I think a little bit because we had textual chemistry big time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you can just feel. You can feel the emotions that the texts evoke. It's interesting. Like you can. There are sparks like that that people are dismissive about. Some people who are, yeah. are from previous generations or are, are, are dismissive of online dating and everything. They think that there is some this impoverished version of connectivity mm-hmm. when you're doing it over the Internet. But no, no it's this par- phone it's, can yeah. like make your heart beat fast. It's, it's, part, it's partner dancing. It's, it's like absolutely. I mean, yeah. So yeah. so because of my kind of uh, background of desire for this new energy and I could tell that you really wanted to meet this guy and I kind of liked the idea of pushing boundaries and also I you know as I you all always make fun of me for not wanting to leave the house too much mm-hmm. um, I said well why don't you invite him here because <laughs> he, he started to say that he wanted to come from New York to meet you in person and I said yeah. well just invite him here to the to yeah, the compound the property so that seemed like a really good idea. And so that seems like a terrible idea. <laughs> In what world is that a good idea? <laughs> this is right before Patrick arrived. I, I mean, know, were I you here for this? I don't remember. No, 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 no This no. is right before. I mean, to me, it seemed like it could be better, you know? Yeah. But um, that was definitely slightly naive, although it was amazing. But I think there was a part of kind of the excitement overpowering thinking about it um, logistically you right. know right. or practically yeah. practically yeah um i mean practically it makes a lot of sense what's what's the word for emotionally practically because um, it's probably not it, it, it was practical in the sense of like you know being in the same you know having a place for him to stay and meeting each other and having a, a dynamic where we're all on you know we're all connected and you guys become friends you meet it just kind of like I did. We did know that, like, I did have a connection with this man, which is why I thought it would it would be nice to immediately have him meet you, especially because, yeah, I mean, it's just such a fun place to stay as well, and you're so open. So it just that that's what made me think like well, this could be really good. When like, you sign like a, a a treaty to end a war, you do it on neutral ground, yeah. right? And I imagine also to sign a treaty. I guess you don't sign treaties to begin wars, but mm-hmm. you might also expect to meet on neutral ground. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, we did come to the conclusion that that would be better after a few days, yeah. especially when I saw that these these textual sparks turned into actual sparks, and um, and and that that's when it became challenging. For the mm-hmm. first time in our two years of uh, of polyamory, I suddenly felt the pangs that other people fear when they <laughs> imagine this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm not afraid to admit it. Like I definitely felt insecure. I felt. Uh, you know, and I've never it been. It was in... honestly like the first time I've truly seen these emotions in you. Yeah, and it, were, it was important because I, I, what 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 defined the, the emotion for me was the disconnect that I'd never felt before between what my head wanted and what my heart was, how my heart was reacting. Yeah. And I think a lot of people will be like, duh, you know, but like, <laughs> I seriously was like, there is nothing I would like more than you know, to re-embrace our polyamory after this, uh, the, you know, the the quarantine. And I have to say, I really like this guy. Like he arrived and I think like, I think one of the things that people talk about a lot in the polyamory world is you, you realize that your partner has similar taste to you and people. And obviously if they li- love you and they love this other person, 
there's probably a reason and probably it's because you share certain common you know outlooks and yeah as soon as you get in fact i found one of my favorite things about polyamory is also like the camaraderie and brotherhood i've felt with other men as a as a heterosexual man it's been really nice to get that sort of intimacy with another another man that you get through having uh shared uh shared love for somebody that's something yeah. that people don't get to experience very often, I think, yeah. otherwise, right? There's yeah. like an intimacy when, when, you, when you get naked with somebody that um, you see them in a way that doesn't, they're not wearing the masks that they wear for the outside world. And it's really nice to have that with friends, to be honest. I think that's really nice. Mm-hmm. And so the, the friendships that have developed through polyamory often have gone even, l- lasted longer and gone deeper in a certain way than even the relationship that, like, that, that we shared. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I've, I've seen, you know, with, with our friend Alexander, I, we can talk about this because he's in monogamish, but he was, uh, you know, he and his, his wife were open for many years and then I had a relationship with her and we have our own relationship now and friendship. And then, but my friendship and relationship with him is, is super deep and, um, and I'm so grateful for that. So anyway, so when this guy showed up, um, I really liked him. And I was like, great, you know, you have great taste, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. Um, so, so, so my, my head said, this is ideal, right? This is wonderful. And yet I'd wake up in the middle of the night with like, you know, my stomach turned in knots. Yeah. So it's like, how do I reconcile these two feelings? And does the, does the, does the intellectual ideal of the polyamory, which again, I've said this before in other episodes, but I do think it's in many ways more idealistic than the ideal of monogamy because it's it's saying that we can survive the intrusion of these other types of dynamics and that our connection will last will be able to grow from that that's a hugely idealistic premise i think and um so so then i had to like sit with these two conflicting like signals that my body was giving me and had a lot of trouble doing that it took weeks and weeks of like processing talking to you patrick a lot you helped a great deal and uh and then and 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 compersion is this idea they talk about in polyamory a lot, which is that it's the opposite of jealousy. You should try and feel the, uh, you know, happiness at the joy of 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 your right. partner having these great experiences. And I was doing these like Sam Harris meditations, and um, which I highly recommend anybody out there. Is um, I remember like doing one in the middle of the night when I was having one of this, these, uh, you know, panic attacks, and um, the uh, the whole meditation was on like just closing your eyes and imagining somebody that you care about just being happy. Yeah. And that was just such a profound insight for me. Like, just get out of yourself. Because often, like, jealousy mm-hmm. is just obsessing over yourself. Am I good enough? What do they think of me? Why don't they like me as much? And I think if you take yourself out of, the, out of it a little bit and just step outside and say, if I love this person, I want them to have a great life and I want them to have great experiences, that's the most uh, valuable thing. To, that's the way I finally, I think, I achieved a certain... Um, equanimity through it and of course realizing that our connection was going to survive this which was the most amazing thing and realizing that me and this guy were not competition to each other that we actually complement each other I think and um, Mm -hmm. but why don't you talk about a bit then after your initial connection going off and your own experiences with him Um, so we did realize that neutral ground was the way so we ended up going on a trip to Big Bear and we spent like our first time alone together there really and um, after that 
it was really great after that we decided that um with you you'd be more comfortable with us in that time kind of just not being on the property so much which was absolutely valid so um we figured out that doing a trip would be nice and we spent more time together and then he went back to new york and i realized that i really wanted to see him again and he really wanted to see me and um it kind of just we were talking constantly and i felt just so excited you know and you were being so supportive and this is how actually our break happened because you wanted to kind of let me live it out and you're processing and I wanted to also give you the space to process and be compassionate all while not like just completely missing out on this connection you know and if you were absolutely welcoming it so that's why then I ended up meeting him in New York and we spent a lot of time there and it's really crazy we basically just moved in with each other and lived with each other for weeks which I've got to say it was fun memorable we're so much more deeply connected but that was chaos <laughs> I, I think well, it was something just to be said for the healing process of I mean if it's a break if it's splitting you know you've been together for two two mm-hmm. two and a half years or whatever it is like it takes time you're not you're not going to be yeah. emotionally divested yeah right yeah. immediately and totally. to move in yeah. effectively move in covid domestication right away with someone Absolutely. that's extremely hard on every party involved right? yeah extremely it definitely i think could have been done in a better way but i have no regrets i think it was still it's still beautiful everything's worked out well but and I you, do you think, did um, take some space there too and you I went in some, states friends yeah. with new york that was a good idea yeah, I, think. I took some space we decided that like that was absolutely necessary and I stayed at some friends places and had a great time met new people and had time at my friend's place alone as well and went to the beach and like I had I had my time to also process all these things because I didn't want to project it or talk about it too much onto this man or my friends to be honest so and were you where you wanted to be yeah that's a I know that's a weird question like did you like I've been wanting to just do a solo trip and just, I mean, especially due to COVID, I was like, I need to get out of the desert just a little bit, you know, and like LA didn't seem appetizing at all. (laughs) But yeah, sorry, go on. Um, Well, I guess, so I'm wondering the degree to which, so if I'm thinking about the edge case of you both seem like compersive people, I don't know if that's a word, Mm -hmm. but like inclined to compersion, you know, and probably have been made been happy when the other person is happy sexually but there's mm. an, there were some edge cases that appeared oh, absolutely. this time that were different like the yeah. a, the physical acts like a camera with no audio would be look exactly the same but there was something different about the level of compersion right yeah um do you think that had to do in some sense with this being an attempt like a solve to solve something rather than being rather than kind of exploring these polyamorous relationships from the moment of peak strength yeah so you could imagine that at some point when your relationship was at its absolute strongest yeah that you tried to do something similar in which case the compersion might have existed throughout yeah whereas it's the way that you've both kind of described it is like well there was this domestication thing and maybe maybe it felt good or maybe there's some growth needed it's as if it was trying to solve something i think i think partly yeah but I don't want to say that's absolutely just what it was because I feel like that absolutely takes away from the depth of the connections of the other people. If I'm just like, I basically used you to solve my <laughs> my um, being dissatisfied or like feeling stuck. You know, like I, I don't feel comfortable saying that's exactly what it was. But I do think that played a part for sure. 
But yeah, um, and I don't think it. I, I still think even if we were at our strongest, this would have the compersion would have struggled a bit. To be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. I mean, overall, like it is a real deep connection, and you also have one, and it's just like a very you know, it's just it's things we haven't gone through. I think we could have possibly done it without a break in that case. Yeah. You know, to be absolutely honest, but I still think um, it would have been hard. And I also think there was a part of me. I mean, I think the road trip and being so motivated to make my end point meeting this man was partly due to like what you just said of kind of solving something and something I craved, you know, but I don't think the connection itself has much to do with that. But I do think um, it made it feel like a necessary thing for sure to go after yeah and and i yeah i think i think we there were circumstances that led us into this that are kind of circumstantial as to for lack of a better word like it just it happened to be that the the stars were aligned that way for whatever reason and it doesn't really matter uh what what matters is what the result in a way which is and the process that that that, that it that it kick-started right or jump-started um and then and then the realization i think uh that a this wasn't the end of us if, if it was supposed to be the end of us it would have been a very kind of not easy it would have been fucking painful but it would have been like a a natural exit i think yeah. so the realization yeah. that we were actually deeply connected and want to continue despite the fact that this other connection is super real and mm-hmm. and so that was i think for me, and the reason I want, we're sitting here now, and the reason I wanted to talk about it in the podcast is it was this ultimate challenge to this to this way of life mm-hmm. and the survival of the challenge without breaking off either of the connections. And the reward. And the reward of it, <laughs> which is now me and him get along well. A, a, a friendship is being born. I can feel it. And I, I think also I love this other thing that other people think is insane. But I think... <laughs> Yeah. You start to become the, the therapist of the other two in a way. Oh, yeah. I really enjoy that aspect. Like, I love helping her work through her issues with him. Yeah. And I know that, you know, from a little bit of time I've talked to him, I know that she was he was helping her work. Yeah. Our, uh, yeah. I'm figuring uh, out if that's appropriate, <laughs> to be honest. Well, like, but it happens, and they're that, both so great at helping. Yeah. <laughs> you, you have talked me down. Oh, and, yeah. And you've yeah. talked people we're with down. Right? Yeah. 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 No, I think, and I, and I actually did not... I, I really enjoyed those moments in part because I had never thought about what what was important to me was that you came in I was I was distressed and upset one day yeah. Let's, uh, pick pick a day and um, <laughs> uh, you just came in and talked to me and what I liked about it was that you weren't just giving advice or you weren't just comforting me as a friend you also had a vested interest in the like and and I actually really appreciated and enjoyed that point of view of not only this isn't just blankly unsolicited advice this is about like uh, achieving the harmonization of the whole enterprise. Right? Yes. Well and, I, and I just really and truly had never been given that category of advice that came also with like emotional love behind it or emotional like investment uh, need and investment. behind yeah. it. And so I think that that kind of 
triadic, like multiple therapy, like just pass the copay around kind of thing yeah. is actually really, really helpful. I was trying to tell uh, Anastasia the story of the three bacteria, and I've forgotten how it works. What's the rock, paper, scissors bacteria? Because this is exactly apropos. Yeah, yeah. so it's this, it's this phenomenon in biology where like if you if you're imagine like a hillside and mm-hmm. you have two species of bacteria, one will have like a very, very slight advantage and will outcompete. So after, after a given amount of time, one will take over entirely. Um, and so what you, the, the way to achieve the highest amount of like biodiversity mm-hmm. is to have three species of bacteria where one has an advantage over the other, like A has advantage over B, B has advantage over C, C has advantage over A, A has disadvantage to B, B has disadvantage to C, C has disadvantage to A. Mm-hmm. And only by virtue of the fact that no single one can like outcompete, yeah. do you end up with an actual like balanced equilibrium on the hillside of biodiverse rich multiple species of this thing so like i was comparing the kind of three-way version of a relationship to that that's like incredible no individual any two it would actually truly wouldn't work yeah you need the all three you need the balance. we are yeah. the balance. we've said this explicitly so i think like yeah. and i think that that this other man recognizes this now too and realizes that that each of our relationship is actually benefiting the other and um and so now we are in, here we are in this delicate like equilibrium mm-hmm. that I think uh, we should check in again obviously as the, as as time evolves but you know to to make a long story short I ended up flying to New York last week um and in a very peaceful harmonious way that kept everything open and going without any sort of saying like this is over yeah. no relationships over every relationship's continuing we drove back across the country I think um you know there were some challenges about that the what we talked about earlier about the repeating of the thing, whether this was like repeating your road trip with somebody else. Oh, yeah, right? I will you... admit there were some similarities, although the, the feelings <laughs> were absolutely different. But um, I mean, yeah. So you were reading a book by Simone de Beauvoir, that's true? Yeah. You... yeah. So, I read She Came to Stay and also The Woman Destroyed, although I haven't finished that one yet. So my vague understanding of her and Sartre's thing right they were open and they were fully and utterly honest with each other right as far as i know completely unfiltered until Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. isn't there a story of she fell in love with an american man and the only person she ever loved except for jean paul Mm -hmm. and it was Mm -hmm. the only person she never told him about yeah so what what do you make of that like what does that mean for honesty i imagine you guys are extremely honest with each other and open with each other yeah but did that change at all i mean these last two months like did you know, like, there, can you maintain it through all of that? It's changed slightly because there's been moments where once you connect so deeply with somebody, I, I talked about this with you, where it's like, is our completely raw and filtered honesty about everything disrespectful at a point mm. to the other connection? Yeah. You know? That, that's interesting. Yeah. I've been wondering this because, I mean, I love just saying everything. I just, I, I'm very big on just like, completely unfiltered truth i think yeah. at the end it's you, so everybody feels it's the only and especially to this it's just so important to be communicative and raw and just put your most vulnerable self out you know but um i, I can see maybe with simone de Beauvoir, maybe she also had feelings of guilt but along with like wanting to like conserve their connection and privacy yeah. or preserve um, i, think, I yeah. think this is also obviously a matter of degrees and so yeah. i think the fact that you've had all this time alone with this other person Obviously, there's no way even theoretically of of telling me all of that. Yeah, That's of yeah. very much your own experience. I think everybody knows so that. Yeah. And then 
and then of course you have to we have to work out our boundaries as we go forward like if somebody says like please this got to be us only but i think that as a as a general ethos uh honesty and this is i'm sure monogamous relationships can learn from this as well the more honesty you have the less of a good memory you have to have, for example, yeah. they say, right? Because if you just tell the truth, it's it's just easier. And, and yeah, a and lot really- of the good like mon- monogamous relationships I have seen, which are out there, they're extremely honest with each other. Yeah. They even talk about their desires with one another without shame or anger, or they work through it, which I think just in any dynamic with anybody, you really should strive towards But the doing fact that. that the one other man she loved, but they were Jean, also like, not yeah. the they, ideal. They were, okay, they were working fair. this stuff early Two? on too. Yeah. We were talking about Simone de Beauvoir. Yeah, and also she was, and she was, they were living in a still very patriarchal world sure. more than today, I think. Two of their lovers killed themselves as yeah. well. Yeah. So there's that. They hadn't seen monogamish. That's, exactly. That's, exactly. <laughs> they didn't have a North Star. <laughs> yeah. So I think there's a bit, we have to make a distinction between the way people were breaking down these boundaries in the 60s and the way we're doing it today. I think yeah. that it's like, yeah. it's the same with psychedelics again. Like there was this idea like smash everything and let's just, you know, uh, nothing, there's nothing worth keeping of like Western yeah. civilization. And then, and then there was this huge backdrop of machismo. And I know a lot of friends who were around in the 60s, women always mm-hmm. say that the men were using free love as ways of, of just, you know, coercing women into like getting, you know, yeah. to having sex with them. And I think when you have a backdrop of a more empowered woman who has her own autonomy, really. Yeah. I think uh, Simone de Beauvoir was very empowered, though. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So no, they're trailblazers, one, one but thing, I don't think I just yeah. don't think we should look at it as a as a as a idea, you know yeah. we can learn from it, but I don't think we need yeah. to say like okay, well they didn't do this, so they, that must be wrong. Definitely, yeah. their communication and how in the end it was a very successful relationship is extremely like admirable and yeah. inspiring. But I, I that situation that you brought up, I I think they were married for so long and had so many other dynamics that maybe she genuinely just wanted her own thing at that point, and also maybe slightly felt guilt for it. And, and it was also, like a three month boat ride across the Atlantic yeah. away, right? So, so I have these phones now too, which is also, well, so I'm, everything's I'm, more open. I'm proud too. of myself for having primed the question I wanted to ask, which is the one I'm about to, with that whole Simone, John yeah. Paul thing. That was all just preamble. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. what I really wanted to say was that what they didn't have was Instagram. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so would have been a whole different to thing. To what degree, and you can quantify this if, if you want, but also I've tried to ask people to quantify things and I, I uh, that's not how all brains work. But um, <laughs> to what degree was the to what degree were the torturous aspects of the last two months due to Instagram? <laughs> That's a really good Oh my question. God. <laughs> Unfortunately, quite a few, to be honest, which I absolutely hate. Yeah. I, I can't quantify okay. the percentage. Yeah, see, that does happen sometimes. It's um, difficult. You can't, you can't think yeah. of things in that way. Yeah. <laughs> you're like well <laughs> when I'm petting I can. things I yeah. have to um, no the, the problem with, the, with Instagram is of course you are creating this false like yeah, yeah. I asked we were talking so this morning silly. before the podcast about what what is ego what is your ego specifically mm-hmm. and I said mine's a little bit fragile and overinflated and you said mine is a mine is a failed storyteller yep. and oh. um, <laughs> because you're always just like trying to construct this narrative and Instagram you're doing this in this such an explicit and crass way and it's like kind of like cherry picking these little moments and trying and on the one hand just not really thinking about it that hard and on the other hand thinking about it enough to kind of probably unfortunately superficially. I absolutely overthink Instagram completely because well, you project these like small yeah. snapshots like literal snapshots but also the there's inference 
in between and that mm-hmm. inference gets filled in by like our worst imaginations yeah. when when yeah. compersion is breaking down right especially especially then. when yeah. and, and like i would see some things and 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 just like you know like y'all are the first to read each other's things and you were you were seeing each other it was so like, silly we're seeing each other in this really where where, yeah. where you took and then we're break. projecting our fears onto like what's actually going on Absolutely. even though that's not yeah. even it's just our imagination our hurt emotions a mixture of ego a mixture of insecurity and so was that just masochism that you kept it and you kept checking in and you kept Honestly, looking I, like, addiction. I think and addiction. it was addiction <laughs> mixed with um attachment of of just really wanting to um you know i think a lot of people can relate to this even though it's the most toxic thing you just want to know what the other person's doing if even if you're broken up for good yeah like there's so many people who are like i need to delete instagram to not look at this person anymore yeah that's how plus like instagram is just addicting as hell but then when you mix it with emotions and a connection that isn't really um at that moment thriving even when it is thriving you want to check in but at those moments you're even more like what are they doing even the timing is information right yes yeah like there's an extraordinary amount of social information in there especially if you have two years of mentally modeling someone you know how they usually behave (laughs) exactly so then even if it's not how they're behaving in that moment you're like they're doing this and this and this and i know they're saying this and it's like you don't know anything you know where they are you know ties in the hot tub you know yeah Yeah, i know he's in the library i know Yep. No, everybody's running around. I just, yeah, there were so many things. And I, I would say that if I had to like make a, a, a chart of like our, you know, descent into almost breaking completely and then our reemergence from it, I would yeah. say I would like the marker of our, the possible destruction of our bond was those like 12 hours that you blocked me on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, don't tell them that. <laughs> I did block him, but that was after a point. I thought that was actually a very good thing to do, but I, it was very naive of me and very just the emotional reactive mind speaking rather than the reasonable or wise mind, let me right. just say, because I thought from the my perspective- The other guy helped out too and told her that that was too aggressive of a move and she should unblock me. Probably. Oh no, you so guys absolutely I, do. But what I found interesting out. about that is, uh, if I may, like <laughs> Tao and the other guy share certain yeah. demographic similarities, right? In- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't even notice this until well, like a few yeah. bits in and I'm like, this is absolutely unsettling, well, but also really great. And you you have like kind of effectively grown up on social media. Like like yeah. it's much more of a thing that shaped and formed your uh, My uh, development. My entire, entire, yeah. like from the age of 12 and up, I have so much of my life in the cloud. Right. Yeah. You know. Well, so that's what I was wondering. I mean, effectively, you took advice from men in their 40s to unblock <laughs> Instagram, even though I thought it was like, you know, maybe you knew what was best somewhere deep down because it's more endemic to your soul and your psyche. Yeah. No, I, I still think, you know, I understand it sounds so silly and it didn't work well with you, but I still think that like, my intention for it was something good. My intention and my idea behind it was like, I am so damn addicted to this app and to seeing what you're doing that even if I mute you, I'm 
so addicted to this thing that I'm going to go and search you. It's completely unhealthy. It's fucking yeah. toxic. We knew Excuse about your language, secondary account. That's no, no, <laughs> <laughs> I deleted it because it was just so bad. I was talking about it with this guy and I was like, this is really unhealthy. And he was like, yeah, you should probably Sorry, get rid of it. And I was like, yeah, it's literally. We're having full unfiltered out yeah. that's, what, that's what makes this great. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was really we bad. We wouldn't have succeeded unless we were blushing at least once. Okay, I'm yeah, totally yeah. blushing, but it's yeah, fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, I know so many people are guilty of this. Yeah, of yeah. course. And um, yeah, no, I deleted that. Let me just say, mm-hmm. but so because you had imposed I a block, and one. then you got around. You yeah, yeah. Around and I was like, I, I took a moment where I sat back, as if it wasn't an emotional time enough. I was like, why am I basically consciously triggering myself right, right now? Yeah. If I really, if deep down I wanted to block him or just not watch his stuff, I don't have the physical ability right now to not click on it so i should just block him you know i was like i thought it would be beneficial to both of us but i realize also like if you were to block me there would definitely be like oh my god how could you do that but i also see the reason behind it but we instagram's such a it's just such chaos sometimes yeah you're not on it i i do envy that um yeah and I, i do wish i envy most of all people who just are able to have a disciplined relationship to it right and and to be honest, we've okay, we've talked all the bad part of it, but there is a positive side of it of continuing to feel connected to somebody. If 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 we were living in the old days and you just gone off and like it was just like a phone call here and there, yeah, it's so much easier for it just to kind of fallen apart. It does keep you connected for better or worse in a way, yeah. and it is this really kind of curated in a both. Again, it's both very thoughtful and very sloppy at the same time. Yeah. And so that's what's, I think, the problem with it. It's like it's it's both immediate and um, and highly artificial. Mm-hmm. So it's like this, this in a way, it's the, the, the worst of both worlds. And I think, and there is this addictive element to it that I think is is problematic. I think that, that we think about, we should think about social media the way we think about drugs or alcohol. Like it's fine in moderation, but if yeah. you're doing it first thing in the morning. Right. Um, it's built to be addictive. Yeah. Exactly. You attempted a detox effectively. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then you took methadone. If I, yeah. your <laughs> <laughs> I have taken um, breaks though from Instagram yeah. or yeah. like set rules around it. I've got to say those were my best experiences of Instagram, honestly. But um. Anyway, I think I think probably we've. Yeah. <laughs> how, how long is the time right now? Just over an hour. Okay, I think we can check in again in a few days. This is, I'm sure, we've left <laughs> a bunch of questions open, yeah. I, and I, there's a million other things I want to talk about, but I'd rather do it in another hour. Now that we've mm-hmm. broken the ice and convinced you to be on here, thank you. Yeah. Um, of course. Do you have any other closing uh, thoughts or remarks or obvious things that we've just should have touched on in this part one of our polyamory? <laughs> No. Okay. No. I have a question for next time. Okay. Not right now. Let's let's leave it hanging then. Oh my god. See you tomorrow, everyone. Goodbye. (laughs) Hope you enjoyed our therapy session. Basically. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Thank you. That'll be twenty dollars.